Welcome, folks, to another episode of Vocal Perspective. I am Rachel here with my co-host Amanda, and we are so thrilled to welcome today Judy Minkoff, who is the director and founder of Stiletta, an all-female professional acapella group in New York City. She also has or wants us to let you know that she has a PhD in sciencey stuff, immunology and things of that nature, <laughs> which were sort of too difficult for me to pronounce. And also she <laughs> directs the single singers <laughs> at SingStrong. So welcome, Judy. How are you doing? Thank Thank you so much. I'm doing great. How are you? Awesome. So I wanted to start off asking about your foray into acapella and where did you get the bug? Oh gosh, sure. So I went to the College of William and Mary in Virginia and that's actually the very first time I saw an acapella group per se. I sung my whole life, but I was in chambers choirs and and that sort of thing, madrigals groups and all and the musical theater and everything and I loved singing everything about harmonies and all that. But when I came to college and I first saw this thing called Contemporary Acapella, I was just wowed and I wanted to audition. But my freshman year, I came in and having been so involved in musical theater and all that, all of my friends were like super talented singers. So my first thought was like, well, I'm never going to get into an acapella group because everyone can sing and I'm just like nobody. (laughs) So I didn't even audition my first year in college because I was so scared. My second year came around and I still had the bug. You know, I still was, was really excited about this thing called acapella and one of my hallmates was going to audition for it and I was like well great I'll come and listen to your song um, you know you can practice it for me that sounds awesome you're going to be great so I come in I listen to her song she was pretty horrendous <laughs> and that was when I thought hey maybe not everyone can sing and maybe I have a shot at this after all <laughs> oh, that's awesome <laughs> so I as much as I loved her and supported her her audition I decided to go for it myself and um, that's when I tried out and I got got into the William and Mary Accidentals. Yeah. And that was my very first acapella group in college. They were all female also. And so in addition to just catching the acapella bug, there was something really special about all female acapella music that just was really, really caught my heart. Yeah. And so you were in that group for three years? Yes, I was there and I was the director my senior year. And once that was over, what about that made you want to continue? You know, sort of where and how did you start that process of starting your own group? Sure. So yeah, I actually also got the bug of acapella arranging in college. So my very first arrangement was done for the same group. And then I became the director my senior year. So when I graduated college, I moved down to Atlanta where I went to graduate school at Emory University. And I I just really missed it. You know, there's something about the sisterhood of the group as well as just missing singing in these tight harmonies with these beautiful, really original and creative arrangements. So mm. I looked around Emory campus to see if maybe there was something I could join there, even though I was a graduate student, maybe there was something, but it just didn't really feel like the right fit. It was mostly just, you know, the undergrads doing these acapella groups and they weren't exactly what I wanted. So I actually looked outside of the school and found a semi-pro group called Octave and mm-hmm. I auditioned for them, also all female. And I, I got in and I was a member of that group for seven years. Wow. I was the business manager for a couple of those years and I did a lot of arranging for them. And then when I got my PhD, I decided to leave Atlanta and come back to Maryland. And once again, I it was like tragic 
tragedy leaving my sisters in octave. You know, it was just so hard to rip myself away. I didn't care about anything else in Atlanta. It was like the acapella group that was just the reason that I almost didn't leave. <laughs> so when I went to Maryland, yeah, I found another group, another semi-pro group called Kismet. And so I, I joined them within about four months or so of being a part of that group. They asked me to be their music director as well. So I directed them for, I guess, a couple years. And then this is kind of where my acapella career got interesting. A couple mm-hmm. of us heard about this festival called Sing Strong and we're like, oh, a whole festival about acapella music? That's crazy. What is this all about? So we went, a couple of us went, and that was where I met my now husband, Jonathan Minkoff, and he was singing and still is singing in a group called Blue Jupiter. And of course, yeah. they, they are the hosts of that festival. So, yeah. you know, I met him, Sparks Flew, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Fast and, forward. Yeah. And that was also my first time discovering that there was something outside of this sort of book club acapella as I like to call Mm. it, where people just kind of meet once a week and they sing and no one really, I mean, it's not that it's not a priority, but people have families and other priorities outside of acapella music that are sort of more important. And there's differing levels of commitment to the group. And so at Sing Strong, that was where I first discovered that there was something called professional acapella. And I was like, just starstruck. (laughs) I was like, I have to do this. So as it turned out, Jonathan and I decided to stay together. (laughs) I moved (laughs) up to New York City from Maryland to be closer to him. And I got more involved in Sing Strong. And in 2012, actually, Jonathan went to the London Acapella Festival, where the very first single singers group formed. Anne-Marie Homan and um, Emily Maytone were the founders, of course, and they were in that first group. Jonathan was their vocal percussionist. He had such an amazing time with it that he brought it back to the United States and said, we have to do this at Sing Strong. Judy, do you want to direct it? And I said, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I want to direct it. That would be awesome. And at this point, I had been, since I moved to New York City, I had been about eight months out of the acapella scene because, of course, when I moved away from Maryland, I had to leave my group behind. And I hadn't really found a group that I fit in with to this point. So I was like, yes, let's, let's do this. So I took on the reins of the single singers. I did all the arranging for them, all the organization, all the directing and everything. And and it was wonderful. But it was a once a year thing. You know, it was just at the festival. And while it was super fulfilling and amazing, I needed something more. Yeah. So I, instead of continuing to try to find a group that already existed that I might fit in with, I decided to take my vision of what a group should be and create it. My whole college and high school career, I was always, high school career, is that a thing? I don't know. (laughs) Um, But in college and high school, I was always in acapella groups, or at least singing groups, and I was always on the dance team. And Mm. those were kind of my two loves at this time in, in life. I really loved dancing and I loved acapella. And I was really into, you know, contemporary pop where there's a lot of you know, girl groups forming like Destiny Child and Pussycat Dolls and Spice Girls and stuff like that. And I wanted to make an acapella group, which I hadn't seen before, that combined those two things, combined the harmonies and the music with the dancing and the show. Yeah. The only thing that I'd really ever seen that was kind of like that was the box sets, actually. Mm. And other than the box sets, to my knowledge, we are at least one of the first all-female acapella groups to ever incorporate a beatboxer instead of a vocal percussionist and to incorporate legitimate like hip-hop choreography and dance moves. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to form. So yeah, so I had these two visions, you know, and I I wanted them both. I wanted it all. I wanted this, this hot female group 
that was more than just like a sex symbol. I really wanted Stiletta to be a strong role model for all women, you know, of, of all generations and, and especially the younger generations upcoming. And so I started creating my vision before I even held auditions. I created a website, I created hype on social media, I created an online presence because I knew that when I started auditioning, I wanted people to come into this group thinking that it was already something. Because I wasn't going to be able to pull the talent that I wanted without it being something that already had wings, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I, I started doing all this hype for it. And then Jonathan and I actually at the time would go to the American Beatbox Championship every year. Yeah. And I just, you know, because it's fun and the, like, I mean, man, the beats are just ridiculous and those people are so talented. <laughs> and so the year that I was sort of creating this vision in my head and creating this online presence was the year we went and I met Kayla Milady, who, of course, now is a two-time world beatbox champion, beat rhyme champion, champion of champions. She's kind of, you know, a queen of beatbox, yeah. the beatbox world now. <laughs> So I met her and um, I actually heard her in line. She was hanging out with a couple of her friends and they were just beatboxing into a didgeridoo. And I was like, what? As you do. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I came up, I went up to her and I said, hey, um, my name's Judy. I have this vision of an acapella group that incorporates someone like you. And I was wondering, I haven't formed it yet, (laughs) but I was wondering if I could give you my information and take your information down so I could contact you when this gets up and running. And she's like, yeah, that sounds awesome. You know, I'd I'd love to. So we stayed in touch. And when Stiletta finally was at the point of, I was just getting started with auditions, I contacted Kayla and I said, hey, I'm ready. I would love to bring you on as our beatboxer. Would would you join us? And she said, well, actually, um, I have a lot of projects going on, so I don't have the time to do this. But I have a really good friend that I want you to meet. And she's incredible. Um, She's also a beatboxer. She's the beatbox queen. And she was ranked third in the world at the Beatbox World Champions um, in Germany. You should check her out. I think this is exactly the kind of thing she would be into. And that, of course, is Megan Costa better known as MC Beats, who is our beatboxer. And so I internet stalked her for like a good week before (laughs) I finally contacted her. And then, true story, I wooed her into joining the group. I took her out to a fancy Italian dinner (laughs) to tell her all about the group. And, you know, I just, I, I convinced her. And I'm so glad that I did because she is such a quintessential part of our sound. Um, And not only that, but she has a heart of gold and she's one of the most genuine, sweet, wonderful people that I know. So I truly am glad that I found a sister in MC Beats to join my group. So once I had my beatboxer, I said, okay, this is a go. Let's let's start doing this thing. So we posted auditions in, um, I actually didn't want to go into the acapella circuits because I really wanted people who were sort of triple threats, if you know what I mean? Mm. Like I wanted, not that there aren't triple threats in the acapella community, but I really wanted people who whose goal was performing mm. because I'd been in so many of these acapella book club groups where some people are really into it and some people really just want to stay home, you know, with their TV and their dog and, <laughs> and not gig and not learn choreography and all that. So I really wanted real performers. So I posted mm. on Playbill, I posted on Backstage, and I had, um, I had auditions. I started setting up appointments. So the first round of auditions, actually, there were several first rounds of auditions. It took me about, <laughs> gosh, like probably four months to cast this group. Wow. 
And I saw over 100 women in the process of that just to find my girls. So I held vocal auditions. I brought them in. I did, you know, all the usual acapella vocal things to hear them and figure out how they would blend and how well they learn music and that sort of thing. And then once I had my top tier, I had dance auditions. So I um, actually hired a choreographer to help me choreograph one of the songs. Oh, and by the way, I already, in the process of setting up the group before bringing anyone in, I had three arrangements ready to go for this group. Wow. Had created before I even, you know, brought the first person in. So for one of those three arrangements, I had this choreographer help me come up with, um, with some moves for it. And I brought these, these women in and we taught them the dance. And I also brought MC Beats in. This was really fun because it was like our opportunity to show off. And I was like, hey, guys, and by the way, you'll be performing with her. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then MC Beats take it away and she would do her boots and cats stuff and, um, and you know, wow them even further. <laughs> um, it's all a part of yeah. the plan. <laughs> Uh, at any rate, so then I had dance auditions, and from the final tier of the people who I felt comfortable vocally and and um, movement-wise, I brought them in for a final callback where they all learned one of my arrangements, and I just put them in and out, uh, in, um, and basically I made sextets out of them. So I would have six of them sing, and then I would sw- swap people in and out to see where the best blend was and who kind of fit best with whom. Um, and wow. then from there, I... I formed my group. That's amazing. That's kind of the story. <laughs> Long-winded, but there it is. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And, and I wonder too, sort of, once you guys started gigging and performing, like, h- how do you feel like you were received? Really well. I, you know, in the beginning, it was interesting, right? For any group starting up, it's interesting because you're trying to figure out what your what your image is, and mm-hmm. I think that that's really key for all groups to to determine at the very start. You need to find out. What are the songs that you should be singing and what is the image you're trying to portray? So I find that a lot of groups are like, oh, we sing a little bit of everything, R&B, hip hop, like pop, jazz, music theater. And that, (laughs) I think, becomes a little confusing for an audience. But when you have a very strong image, while it can be polarizing, some people will love you and some people will hate you. But I think you get more extremes on that either side of that spectrum where people really, really love you or they really, really hate you. And I think that that's actually better <laughs> than everyone feeling kind of like mediocre about you. Yeah. Right? So in the beginning, a lot of it was just finding our image and figuring out what the best way to put ourselves into the community would be. We did a lot of strange gigs in the beginning. We performed in a bush at a wedding. We performed um, <laughs> at this like horrible dive bar down in Brooklyn called Trash Bar, which I don't think exists anymore. But Oh my God, it was, it was just, the sound was just so bad. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) And then we kind of worked our way from there. My, the back of my mind goal was always to increase our fan base. So every time we had a gig, we'd have mailing lists out. We would make connections. I made business cards for the girls to pass out. So, you know, a lot of it's just like networking and figuring out how to increase that fan base. But I think that the, the thing that really gelled us the most and helped us really solidify that vision was doing um, a program called Music Under New York. Um, So if you've ever been to New York City, there are musicians who perform in the subways. But um, some, some of them are just kind of, you know, random people who come, but most of them are auditioned. And there's a whole process. It's it's a really wild process, actually, you submit your audition, 
um, in like January. And then out of all of those applicants, and in our year, there were, I think, over 250 applicants, they choose a subset to come in and actually audition in person. So there were, I think, 70 um, groups that came in and auditioned at Grand Central Station. There were 35 judges just just like sitting there and, you know, judging each each audition as they came through. I would love to see how they come to a consensus with 35. I know. I have no (laughs) clue. (laughs) It was crazy. And the other funny thing about it was you get five minutes to audition and because you're doing in the subway, you have a system, right? You're amplified in some way. So in that five minutes is you hauling all of your equipment onto the little stage and setting it up as quickly as you can and then singing and then that's it. (laughs) Wow. Showcases like that are the worst. They're like, yeah, here you have five minutes or eight minutes or 12 minutes, but also that's your time to set up. Right. And break down. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So in five minutes and we, and it was so funny. Like I wish I had, I could like Um, impart this visual on you guys of each one of us carrying a piece of the equipment already plugged in and on basically because we had a generator too Um, and we all just like carried our equipment onto the stage put it down and then sang and then they cut us off after like I think they heard a maybe a song and a half or something like that and then they Mm -hmm. cut us off and then we had to haul it off again The glamorous it does the kind of feel, yeah. It it always kind of feels like a circus act when you have showcases like that. You're like, okay, sorry, watch. You know, this right. is really it's like wires everywhere. This is really flattering as I stumble off the stage with this heavy equipment. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. That was the audition process, and and basically what Music Under New York allows us to do is to perform in the subway. We can pick our location, we can pick our day, our time, but it's a three-hour stretch of performing. So we stand there and we sing for three hours. We'll basically sing through our entire repertoire. We take a five-minute break and then we'll sing through our entire repertoire. (laughs) Oh my God. Talk about like dialing it in, right? Like And singing together like that um, in such a crazy environment because it's not like a quiet concert hall where everyone's listening intently. You've got trains <laughs> rushing by, you know, like sirens going off. You've got homeless people yelling things at you. We had one time we had um, a kid who came up and was like, I can sing better than you. And then he pulled our system out of the wall. Like he pulled, he unplugged us oh, no. <laughs> in the God. middle of a song. So it was, and it actually turned out to be a cool moment because we're like, okay, well, that's cool. We're acapella. We don't really need this stuff. So we, we said, yeah. Hey, everyone come in close, come in close. And all these people, you know, I mean, there, we would, we would get crowds of like probably about a hundred people at a time. So like a hundred people, just travelers were all coming in and circling us. And we just sang acapella, like with nothing, no amplification to them all. And those sorts of moments are the, the kinds of that really solidify who you are as a group, your, you know, your team building, like this is just, we can get through, we can sing in a loud subway with no amplification and people we don't know all around us. We can do anything. Beautiful. Yeah. That's always for me, like how a group handles situations like that, where something happens unexpectedly and it's, you know, it should adversely affect your performance, but you keep going. Like that to me is always the sign of a truly professional group. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, thanks. Kudos. (laughs) (laughs) So then in terms of like, what advice would you offer to people who are feeling in a similar position to you where they're not finding what they're looking for and they want to create it themselves? Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, I think image is, is crucial. I think that anyone who wants to create a group needs to really sit down and think about 
what kind of group they really want. And some people really just want a book club acapella group and that is perfectly fine because those groups are great and they're fun and they're rewarding and supportive and you know, you make some of your best friends that way. But if you want something other than that, you need to start with that image. The other thing that I really wish I had done a lot sooner um, is sort of more on the business side of things and is creating like a business plan and you know, the, the sort of idea of like, how we want to get paid and what what sorts of gigs we want to do and how we want to um, network and where we're going you know what what is our goal what do we want to be in five ten years because I think that that kind of took me by surprise that Stiletta took off as much as it did because I really had only come from this you know casual acapella world and jumping into this professional world world where now we're you know headlining festivals and doing all sorts of really cool gigs we were gonna do um the this the Aussie Fest in Central Park we were gonna perform at that this year until it got canceled because of the heat index of 112 <laughs> but you know <laughs> no we're, we're starting to get really cool gigs um now and that world sort of it took me by surprise a little bit I I think I I wasn't fully prepared so in starting a group, I think you kind of need to sit down and figure out what that business plan is going to be. Yeah. And and so what's next for Stiletto? Where are you guys going? What are your what are your plans? Well, we have um, we're going to be performing at Sing Strong in um, 2020, uh, February 7th to the 9th, um, and then we are we have like a couple of out of town gigs next year um, in Ohio and some other stuff, but. We are, are we also are having um, some auditions as well. If anyone's listening and feels like joining a super hot uh, female acapella group, or you know, looking into being you know an alternate and that sort of thing, um, we're looking for low bass, you know, women who can sing super low, and um, women who have super high belts and really interesting, unique voices. You know, we're gonna have some audition rounds. We're gonna do yeah, just some fun stuff around New York. Um, that's cool. what, what comes to mind. <laughs> And, and if people are interested in that, how would they reach you? They can actually email me um, at info at stiletta.net, I-N-F-O at S-T-I-L-E-T-T-A dot net. Um, and awesome. I can give them next steps. And we're going to be posting um, our audition uh, notices on social media in the next few days or so. Um, so that'll be something we'll be, we'll be pushing as well, especially over the holidays. Yeah, for sure. Well, Judy, with everything that you have going on, we are so grateful that you took some time to spend with us. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Well, that was Judy Minkoff, director and founder of Stiletta, with a bunch of other impressive credentials after her name. Thank you, Judy. (laughs) Thanks, guys. 